All right, hey, good morning, good morning, you guys. Good morning on this Sunday morning. I hope you're doing awesome. Hope you're doing great. Summer's here, it is hot. Uh, just spent a week at camp uh, with a bunch of high schoolers and middle schoolers. Uh, it has uh, was a blazing hot week, but lots of fun. Lots of uh, good growth. Kids giving their life to Christ. Kids making decisions to go to uh, Bible college. Uh, young people just thinking about becoming missionaries. Oh man, just just a great week uh, for us at camp. Lots going on. I hope there's lots going on in your life. I'm sure there is. I hope you're being uh, safe and you're serving God and you are walking every day by faith. Walking by faith. Want a quick run through where we've been and I want to just share with you this message uh, today um, that kind of comes out of our week of camp but it, it fits perfectly into our theme, walking by faith. We said we walk by faith, not by sight. That's what uh, Paul said in Corinthians. James said, faith without deeds is dead. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, this life I now live in the flesh, in this body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Colossians 3 says, Faith, when we are walking by faith, we are clothed in Jesus. We are walking in the dust of Jesus. He covers us and we look, we should look more and more and more like him every day of our lives. Galatians 5 says that walking by faith is walking by the Spirit of God and we can't even begin to walk by faith if we don't have the Spirit of God living and moving and working in us. He is our link to the Father. When He comes and lives in us, He is the one communicating with the Father and we're just along for the ride. But it's the Spirit of God living in us that's doing the communicating, that's doing the leading, that's doing the guiding, and he takes the word of God that we put into our life, he takes God's word, and he helps make sense of it in our minds and in our hearts. And um, what a powerful thing it is to walk by the Spirit of God. Today, today what I want to share with you is a passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul, again, Paul wrote so much of the New Testament. Paul, again, shares with us another truth from, from, from the, the heart and the mind of God about walking by faith. And here's what Paul says. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. <laughs> stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so God's word for us today, God's word for you and me today, as we're thinking about walking by faith in this life, if we're going to walk by faith, then you are going to have to take, take a stand. You're going to have to take your stand. That's what we do. If we're going to walk by faith, we are going to take a stand. Take a stand. And so we spent this last week encouraging uh, teenagers to take a stand. Uh, the first stand we, 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 we shared with them was we need to learn to stand down. Stand down. When it comes to God and who he is, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, all powerful, the maker of all things, 
We humble ourselves under his mighty hand. We just humble ourselves. We stand down. We need to learn how to stand down. We, before we get uh, too eager to stand for God, we need to learn how to stand down. We also talked about standing up, standing up for the truth, standing up for what is right and good. According to God's will, we stand up. We talked about standing tall, standing tall for God. And if we get knocked down, we're going to stand back up in his mighty strength, in the armor of God. And we're going to stand tall for God in a world that doesn't care about God. And uh, we talked about standing out. Being that person that is not afraid to speak up for the truth of who God is and standing up for what is right and standing against the evils of this world. Stand out. Don't be afraid to take a stand for God. And the last thing we talked about at our camp, and it's uh, helpful for us, is we're going to stand firm. We're going to stand firm to the very end until Jesus comes back. We are going to stand firm. And Paul's words ring out nice and loud. Let nothing move you. Let nothing move you out of 1 Corinthians 15. Let nothing move you. And 1 Corinthians 15 is, is such a big, big chapter. Such a powerful, powerful chapter. Let nothing move you, he says. Let nothing move you. And we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 15. So if you've got your Bibles, go there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, powerful passage of scripture. We're going to dig into some of it. When I think about let nothing move you, I think about a few things. I think about kind of uh, immovable objects, one of them being like a lighthouse out there on the coast as the storm rages against it. And as that lighthouse stands firm, sending a signal out to ships that they are near shore, be careful. Be careful of the rocks. Be careful of the, uh, the sandbars. Be careful. That lighthouse that is like this immovable object in uh, my mind as I think about things. And maybe you uh, can think of some things that are somewhat immovable, like huge mountains. You know, a lot of times we, we're able to cut around a mountain. We're able even to tunnel out through a mountain. But move a mountain, that, that, that's, that's almost impossible to do to build a road or to build whatever we we have to kind of build around it because it is so thick and so hard and so big there's that old age uh question uh can god uh build a boulder so big that he cannot move it well you know what that's one of the dumbest questions ever asked on the planet but you know what god's patient and he's cool with us anyway so here's a question for you what moves you? What, what moves you? Like what moves you not in a good way? Like what, what, what uh, gets you off your game? What shakes you up? What maybe angers you? What causes you to stumble? And what causes you to be tripped up? Like what moves you? What things in this world? You know, we all get moved by stuff. I'm not moved emotionally like in a good way, but... We get that too, but I mean like moved in a bad way, like things happen and we get like frustrated or we get angry or we get mad. Like what moves you? What causes you to, to be thrown off? 
as you are walking by faith in the Lord? What temptations maybe pull you away? What injustices maybe anger you to the point of, of wanting to do something about it? What causes you to stumble? Paul says, let nothing move you. Like, think about that. Let nothing, like, move you. Let nothing throw you off your game. Like, be so in tune with God, so on fire on, in his word, and so standing on his rock of who Christ is, that nothing can even shake you or move you. There's a reason that Paul can say at the end of this chapter 15 that he can say, let nothing move you. And it's because of the testimony and the power of what he has been talking about in this chapter. So he comes to the end of this chapter and Paul says, let nothing move you. Well, everything that he's been talking about so far in this chapter is the reason why you can live your life with this strength and power in Jesus that nothing should move you. We see it in the context of the chapter. We're going to take a look at this. Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. And uh, I'm going to touch on a, a number of things, but there's no way that I can touch on all of it. There's just too much there. And so we're going to just start looking at chapter 15. So if you've got your Bibles, you're going to want to march with me, okay? March with me through this uh, book. Here we go. Paul says in chapter uh, 15, verses 1 and 2. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have, there it is again, taken your stand. Taken your stand. Take your stand. By this gospel, Paul says, this gospel that I preached to you, you are saved if, there's always an if, don't let anyone tell you there's no if. Like as if everyone's going to heaven. No, everyone is not going to heaven. You know who's going to heaven? Those who have taken their stand. And if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in, in vain. There are going to be many people who have kind of believed in God or understood that there is a God and knew that there was a God and in some way maybe tried to live for God, but they are living in vain because they have not taken this gospel to heart. They are not standing firm in this gospel and they are not going to be saved. They're going to be lost forever. And the devil in many cases has tricked people into thinking that they're okay when they're not okay. Paul, just right off the bat, says there is great importance in taking your stand. Like knowing what you believe and standing down, you know, humbling yourself before the Lord, standing up for truth, standing tall for God, standing out of this world and being different than the people of this planet. We are aliens and we are strangers here in this world. And standing firm to the end. And as we stand firm to the end, bringing as many people as we can to Jesus. Like sharing the good news, sharing our story with as many people as we possibly can. And Paul says, holding on to this gospel 
firmly, firmly. The idea of like, the idea of holding on to it firmly is like, like you're drowning in the ocean and the Coast Guard is hovering over you and they drop this line to you and you have one shot of grabbing onto it and holding onto it and being pulled up to rescue. That's what Paul means when he says, holding firmly. Like with all your life, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, holding firmly to this truth, this gospel that Paul has preached to us. And if you don't hold firmly to it, you are going to be lost forever. What a powerful passage. Verses 3 and 4, check it out. For what I received, Paul says, is what I received from Jesus. Remember, Paul was blinded. Jesus shared with him. Jesus rescued him. Jesus saved Paul's life. And then Paul went away for a few years to Galatia. And Galatians, you can read about it. And he was taught and he grew in the word. But Paul already had a background. Paul already had a background of the Old Testament because Paul was a Pharisee, growing up as a Pharisee, persecuting the church in those early uh, stages of that new church in the book of Acts. Paul was killing Christians and Jesus got a hold of Paul. Well, Paul already had a foundation under him. He just was misled about who Jesus was. And then Jesus made himself real to Paul. He revealed himself to Paul and Paul then got it. And Paul now became the greatest preacher of the New Testament that we have. He wrote most of the New Testament books. Paul became the greatest, one of the greatest apostles. But Paul came to know Jesus later, much later. And Paul says, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. This is like priority number one, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, just like the scriptures said that the Messiah would, the Christ Jesus came and died, just like the scriptures said that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, just like the scriptures said he would. <clears throat> See, this is the very heart of the gospel. This is the very heartbeat of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God sent his only son, that he lived and he died according to the scriptures, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then, verse 5, that he appeared. That he appeared. Huge statement. That he appeared, Paul says. And in, in the chapter, if you're looking at it, he lists all the appearances or many of the appearances that Jesus made after he raised from the dead. Many appearances, lists of hundreds of people in different locations, in different occasions. Over a period of 40 days, Jesus appeared to people after he resurrected from the dead. Friends and family and enemies and soldiers all witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. It was not a one day and dunner. It wasn't uh, 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 something that 
God did through Jesus in secret. It was very public. It was very obvious. It was to lots and lots of people. Leaders, uh, non-biblical, non-Christian leaders were involved. Commanding officers carried out the execution and the orders. Angels were present at his resurrection. People, hundreds of people saw Jesus alive after he was proclaimed dead and buried for three days. The greatest event in human history did not go unnoticed. God made sure. God made it very plain to hundreds and hundreds of people that their eyes their lives, their experience witnessed Jesus alive after he was dead. And check it out, that he appeared to, to Cephas, that's Peter, then to, then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, Paul says. So if you want to go ask him, you could go ask him at this time. Some have fallen asleep. Some have died. Then he appeared to James, to all the apostles. And last of all, Paul says he appeared to me also as one abnormally born because he appeared to Paul on that road years, uh, months and months later. As the church began to grow, Jesus then appears to Paul way after his ascension back into heaven. Christ not only died and was buried, but he rose and he appeared. <laughs> that is incredible. Jesus displayed the greatest power ever seen on this planet. No one, no one ever raised the dead like Jesus did, even though some of the apostles later on raised the dead. But nobody like Jesus in his ministry raised the dead like he was able to and then was able to raise himself from the grave. Jesus rose from the grave himself. This is incredible, miraculous power and the very heartbeat of our faith. Our faith. Our faith is based on the resurrection. It is the most central to both the body of truth that we have received from God, the word of God, and the testimony of the Messiah and his redemptive work for mankind. This is central, most important piece of evidence and proof of who Jesus is. In the resurrection of Christ, evil and brokenness and every sin on the planet is conquered. In the resurrection of Jesus, our entire faith is anchored on Jesus's resurrection. Death, death itself was our greatest immovable object. Death, death was Satan's greatest weapon against us. Final and eternal death. Death was Satan's greatest tool against people, against us. And Paul would go on to say in verse 12, check this out. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Remember, there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious rulers of the day. And the Sadducees believed that there was no resurrection of the dead. Many people say that's why they were sad. 
You see, because they did not believe in the afterlife or in the resurrection. And Paul says, why do some of you say that? Why, is it, why would you even mumble that out of, your word, out of your mouth? Verse 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most pitied. Wow, Paul just said a mouthful there and we can't really get into all of it. But this is like the and if section of this chapter. And if. And if. He says, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then, then we, are, we are wasting our time. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then there is no resurrection. Nobody has ever then been raised. And we are then stuck right here in our sin. We are stuck in the flesh. And the flesh is going to give way to eternal separation from God forever and ever and ever. No one will be raised if Christ has not been raised. No one has ever been then raised from the dead. And those who have fallen asleep or died, they are lost forever. And if you're in our faith, then it's futile. And we are still stuck in our sins. And even more so, if our hope in Jesus is only for the life that we live on this planet, then we are to be pitied more than anyone else. We have a false hope if Christ has not been raised from the dead. So, <laughs> so this is an understatement of the world. So very much is riding on the resurrection. So very much is riding on this resurrection of Jesus. All of eternity is riding on the resurrection of of Christ. Paul goes on to say in verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam, the first man, all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Everything that sets itself up against us as human beings from the evil one, Jesus destroys. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
death, the final enemy that Jesus must destroy in his ministry of redemptive work on the planet for our souls is death. He must destroy death. Jesus came to destroy the death that separates us from God for all of eternity. This is the good news. This is the very good news that Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. Death, our enemy, physical death that ushered us into eternity, trapping us then in our sin and separated from God. That's what death did to us. It kept us apart from God because of our sin, our rebelliousness. And death trapped us in that separated state from God. Paul says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And how, how is death destroyed? How is death destroyed? How did Jesus come to this planet and destroy death once and for all? By rising from the dead. Resurrection power. That is how. Jesus destroyed the greatest power that Satan had against us. Just look at all the prophecies. Hundreds and hundreds of years earlier proclaiming what the Christ would be like, that the Messiah would come and that he would die and what he would do and what his ministry would be like, that he would die for the sins of the world. Just look at the life of Jesus, his miracle working power over every element on the planet, over sickness, over disease, and Jesus raising from the dead, arising from the dead. Look at Jesus's predictions about his own suffering and his own death and take a look at the empty tomb take a look at the empty tomb and the hundreds of eyewitnesses overwhelming evidence unmatched proof in any court of law that Jesus Christ came died rose from the dead and was seen by hundreds and hundreds of people after his resurrection Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first one and Jesus then blazed a path for others to conquer death as well. Paul goes on to say in this chapter, if you're looking at your uh, Bible at chapter 15, he goes on to speak of two people. We touched on them a little bit, Adam and Jesus, and how Adam was the earthly man, and death came through Adam, and that the other man is Jesus. He is the heavenly man, and life came through Jesus. And just like sin and death came through one, life and eternity came through the other. And so Jesus is a liken to Adam, but a spiritual likeness. Adam is a physical man. Jesus is a spiritual or the heavenly man. Paul speaks of two bodies, physical body and spiritual body. And just like a seed, just like a seed is in one form when you put it in the ground, it is a completely different form when it begins to grow. And Paul shares that analogy in this passage. Paul goes on to enlighten us as to what the end time is going to look like. Check this out in verse uh, 50. Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood, like in this body, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Flesh and blood, earthly things, sight things cannot inherit heaven. 
Can't go there. Listen, he says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. We will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet call, or the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and mortal with immortality when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory where O oh, death is your victory where O oh, death is your sting the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest exerted power ever in this universe. Greater than creation is the exerted power of Jesus in the resurrection, able to destroy Satan's greatest weapons against us able to rescue humans from the grips of sin and death and hell. Christ must rule. He must reign and he must destroy all of Satan's weapons once and for all, displaying the great power over all of evil in the universe. And Paul says in this passage, check out these, these verses. Paul says, by this gospel, back in verse 2, by this gospel that Jesus came and died, rose again and appeared to many, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preach to you. And verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And verse 24, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. I think I read that twice. Verse 54, death has been swallowed up in victory. And verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why, why, why is it that Paul can say to us today, let nothing move you? How is it that he can consider all of the evils of the world, all of the powers of this broken, fallen planet, and say with such great assurance, let nothing move you? How is it that Paul can? Here is how Paul can. Because when the power of God has moved the biggest immovable object out of our way. There is nothing left. There is nothing more powerful. There is nothing in all of the universe that can move us, that can shake us or enslave us or separate us ever again, ever again. Christ has conquered sin and death and the grave and you are free. We are free in Jesus, not just to move about the planet, but we are free. We are free to take our stand. We are free to take our stand. And we are free to walk by faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, please move in our hearts. Help us to realize how, 
how awesome and how powerful and how great is Jesus and the resurrection power he has. And because Jesus rose from the dead by holding on to him firmly and hanging on to faith in Christ, we too will rise from the dead. Jesus has paved that way. He has made a bridge back into the presence of the Father. And Jesus is the only way back. There is no other God. There is no other religion. There is no other person that can bring us back into a relationship with the Father. Only Jesus. Father, thank you for the good news. Thank you for the gospel. And help us to go out and share that good news with the world. Father, help us as we're standing firm, as we have taken our stand to stand firm, that we are bringing as many people with us as possible. Lord, we love you. We give you thanks. Thank you for each one listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will see you guys next time. Have a great day.